guys, this is Ian Mendes from The Athletic, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's been good, been good. Kind of a quiet week, but way she goes. Yeah, kind of the same here on my end. It's, it was a bit of a bit of a quiet week. Pretty good weekend, but I'll get to talking to that in a couple of minutes. Now, Tim... We've got ourselves an episode to talk about today. Not only do we got three games to talk about, the Sens actually won one of those games. Whoa. Christ, I know, right? And here we're thinking that this team is going to be good or something. And <laughs> here we are. But yeah, three games. We got a fully low top of the hour. And we've got a very interesting cover athlete to talk about for today's episode, season six, episode five, in chronological order. Episode 129, the Martin Gerber edition of the Third Line Plug, Senscast. So just a little background about Martin Gerber. He was drafted 232nd overall by the Anaheim Mighty Ducks in 2001. He spent parts of seven seasons in the NHL with five different teams, Anaheim, Carolina, Ottawa, Toronto, and Edmonton. And he played parts of three seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording a 49-36-8 record and a 9.08 save percentage. Now, what's really interesting, Tim, about Martin Gerber did you realize in his first four seasons in the NHL, he played in the Stanley Cup Finals three times? 2003 with Anaheim, he won the Cup with 2006 in Carolina, and he was Razor's backup in Ottawa for 2007. Think of that for a second. This guy played seven seasons, and he played in the Finals three times. Yeah, it's nutty. And I was actually surprised because I didn't think he even played any playoff games, but uh, he had six with Carolina. He started all four playoff games for that ill-fated 07-08 Ottawa Senators playoff run and played two with the Ducks. So, yeah, for a guy who played seven seasons, he saw a lot of Stanley Cup final hockey. Well, from the bench, mind you, but... Yeah, but you know what, Tim? It's kind of like wins, goals, and assists. They don't ask how, they ask how many. And he's he's got one cup ring to prove it, right? The weird one is just seeing Marty Gerber, like he he was a starter for two seasons, one in Carolina, one in Ottawa. And it was just fun. It's just interesting to see how many times he just kind of got jumped. First by Cam Ward, who was the hot hand in the finals, despite Marty Gerber being the better goalie throughout the season in Carolina. And then uh, just getting jumped by Emery. I don't even remember how, how he came to Ottawa. Did he get traded or he did, did he sign with us? I think he signed. Yeah, because I remember, was it, I think he, I think it was like a big contract or something he signed in Ottawa because Hasek went out, but then Razor played so well during the season that they just went with him into the finals. Yeah, because they brought in uh, Marty Gerber because they wanted someone with uh, Stanley Cup final experience. And admittedly, he had played some playoff games. But man, what a wild, wild piece of sense history. Because like, the most game, the season he played the most games in, in a sense, uniform was that 07 08 season where 
Emery kind of melted down, well, surgery then melted down a bit. And then Gerber comes in, plays 57 games. And he actually posts a .91, which isn't terrible. But like the Sens were like winning and losing games like 7-5 that season. So it, it never felt that that Gerber was anywhere near competent in the net. Yeah, honestly, I do remember that 07-08 season because we came into it like red hot. I think we were on pace to win north of 62, 63 wins. And all yep. of a sudden, it just sunk into the ground. Yeah, because it was like Ottawa, I think for the first two months of the season, they only lost like two games. And then, yeah, the wheels came off. I always want to know, like, just what happened to those teams, that team in particular, because, like, you had uh, John Paddock get fired. Brian Murray steps in behind the bench. It doesn't really stem the bleeding. Just weird stuff. And that was Brian Murray's first season as GM, too. So just absolutely weird stuff happening. It is true. I mean, you think back on that year because you had Razor, who pretty much signed his ticket out of town. You had Brian McGratton having his addiction issues. Really, the cash line was the only thing carrying that team. And everything else was kind of like, eh. Because remember, Wade Redden was a, not super amazing. That defense was not super amazing. No, like the only deep pairing that really treaded water that year from what I remember was uh, Phillips and Volchenkov. And as much as I love Big Rig and as much as I love Anton Volchenkov, they're not giving you offensive pressure. It really was the cash line and Mike Fisher just putting the team on their back. And then uh, in that playoffs, like Alfredson was injured, Spets was injured. So it was just Danny Heatley and the team just kind of got run over. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting <clears throat> when you look back on those late 2000s, early 2010 teams, you think of the starting goaltenders going back to Marty Gerber because you went from Gerber to Alex Ald to Pascal LeClaire, and then you got Craig Anderson that just, we made a trade for him, and then he and just becomes Ryan our starter Elliott, for the next yeah. decade. Actually, it's interesting, because that 0708 season was the first time that we saw Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott, that's right. I, I actually kind of forgot about Brian Elliott, to be honest with you. <laughs> God, that was a weird time, eh? In goal, when you think of all the names that went through the organization... I think McElhaney came through there. Mike Berdur came through it. Who else came through that system that I'm thinking of? Yeah, no. Yeah, you first, then you start seeing Robin Leonard come through. He's a, he's a huge what if for the Sens, Robin Leonard. Well, he's a what if for a lot of teams, right? I know, but especially in Ottawa because he was so highly touted when he came to town and then it did not pan out for him. Yeah, well, the addiction issue certainly didn't help. No. God. Remember that one year where we had Anderson, Leonard, and Ben Bishop as our goalies? And like, the only one left was Anderson? Corey Cottaker's back, baby. Sends with the trade. <laughs> oh, God. As much as, you know, Tim, as much as I can sit here and talk about Marty Gerber and that crazy tenure he had in the NHL, it would only delay the inevitable because we can announce next week's cover athlete for season six, episode six, the chronological order, episode 130. 
The Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond, is our cover athlete for next week's episode. You want to talk about crazy? The Hamburglar had himself a very weird career. He really did. He, God, he really did. Remember when, after the Hamburglar run, everybody thought that he was going to be the starter, and then he just wasn't? And well, Craig like, Anderson continued to be the starter? Remember that he, it turned out that he had, like, hip necrosis or something like that. So, like, yeah, just weird injuries just derailed that guy's career. But, hey, during that run, he looked real good. Yeah, that was such a good run, man. And honestly, we could talk more about that in next week's episode but i gotta ask the question man well first of all how not only how was your week but what did you and chelsea get up to this weekend for remembrance day i just went down to the center so uh every year calgary has uh, the field of crosses so i just go down there for the remembrance day service yeah because i know like your dad being in the navy was it more special or more different well here's a here's a, here's a question would you consider yourself a navy brat uh, I never really grew up on base, so I did move around a lot. So I did see kind of the base more than the average person. But it's not like I was a base brat who grew up in the PMQs. So like there is a level of separation. Okay, I was always really Sorry, curious. PMQs are private military quarters. Okay, so there are basically two ways that people will go. Like if they're if someone's not expecting to stay very long in the place they're posted they might forego buying a house and just live on housing that's owned and operated by the military. Okay. Is and that that's a private military quarter. So there's a huge area in a Squimalt that's just PMQs. So it is fairly common. So like, do you know a Squimalt at all? Not particularly. I know that the Navy base is there. I correct me if I'm wrong. Don't they have like a hockey rink around there too? Yeah. There's Wart Wharton and stuff is around there as well. Uh, so you know Admiral's Road, right? Yeah. If you go south of Admiral's Road on like Head or Lampson or one of those streets and uh, go down past Lyle, so that it's like a block or two after, pretty much everything down there is PMQs. And it's like very obviously like cookie cutter, easily put, quickly put up. And there's like a school around there that's all that's also all base brats. Lampson High School is mostly base brats as well. Okay, are so, the schools like funded and everything by the Navy, or is it no, just no? It's just public high schools. Just public high school, but uh, just because of who lives near the school, it's just gonna mostly be base brats, right? So you kind of get like that that culture. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always been very curious about that with you because I know, like, you're again with your dad being in the Navy. Like, I've never asked you that if you were a Navy brat at all. No, yeah, I wasn't a base brat. When we're in Halifax and in Victoria, we expect dad expected to be there a while. So might as well buy a house, right? And when we're in the UK, uh, where we were, they didn't actually have a full-time base, right? So we just rented a house in the regular rental market. Okay, we're in the UK or England, I should say. Oh, Barrow and Furnace. So it's a town in uh, the Lake District. Sorry, it's a town near the Lake District in Cumbria. I think we, I think Kelly and I were talking about that. You guys were talking about that off air. I remember that because I went to do, go to the washroom, came back, and you guys were just yapping about it the entire time. Yeah, be, yeah, because like the Lake District is one of the biggest national parks in the UK. Because I think the whole most of the area is held in some way by the National Trust, and it's beautiful. Excellent. 
So I'll talk a little bit about my weekend as well, because I didn't get up to too much for Remembrance Day. It was more like I, I don't really go to Remembrance Day celebrations or any of that stuff. It's not anything against the military. It's just whatever. I just don't go. Right. So I decided, well, you know what? I have the day off. Maybe I'll go do my Christmas shopping. So Katrina and I went down to Victoria. Hey, we got to honor our men and women who fought for this country so I can go Christmas shopping on their day. So, wow. I know I'm terrible, right? Usually, and it's funny because usually with my Christmas shopping, I always get it done whenever the Seahawks have a bye week, which is funny because it's this weekend, not last weekend. So for me, it's like, ah, okay, whatever. So I went yeah. down to Victoria with Katrina. We did all of our Christmas shopping. I had like one or two people I had I had to shop for, but I just could buy that crap online. So yeah, we just sort of hung around Victoria for a little while. We went down to the Sticky Wick for lunch. And how is the food at Sticky? Literally never had it. You know, I, I've been to the Sticky Wick. I've had the food maybe twice. It's pub food. It, like it's nothing gonna be, it's not gonna be special. You you know what you're gonna get. It's the traditional pub food. Like, is it oh is it like passable to good? Like if I was gonna go, if I was like downtown Victoria and I was like, oh, I gotta go get lunch. And I'm feeling pub fair when I go to Sticky over, say, uh, Irish. Okay, good question. Okay, so I don't know if I've ever eaten at Irish Times, so I can't really tell you whether it's better than the Sticky Wicket. But, I mean, Sticky Wicket was fine. Sticky Wicket was fine? Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, like, I mean. Most of the pubs that I know are more out uh, out towards the university, right? So, like, Mod Hunters, uh why am I blanking on the the one right on Caddy Bay? Oh, Smuggler's Cove. Smuggler's Cove. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember. Actually, uh, it's kind of incredible. I went obviously. to Ubic for four years. And the first time I went to Smuggler's Cove was I was hanging out with some friends after I came back. Like, I lived down the street from that pub four years, never went. You know what's funny? It's, it's funny you say that because I live down the street from from a pub it reopened a couple a year or two ago been there once because again like and for me i think because if i do have any drinks or whatever I, i'm usually at home or i'm yeah. at katrina's place or i'm at one of my friends right i don't usually go to the pub but when i do it's 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 fine yeah it's like one of those things where it's like honestly like i don't drink right yeah you you uh quit that habit yeah so like mostly if i'm going out to a pub it's like i'm i'm gonna go with like a few guys either to watch a game or like grab some food and then just sit for a bit yeah so it's like it's so like an important part of the pub is like just like a nice atmosphere to hang out like share like an, a few appies and yeah just chill yeah i find that sticky wicket's pretty good for that i mean i've been to irish times i think twice i think it's a little a little too loud for my liking maybe that's it just depends me. where you are in irish times if you're in like the main like the main area yeah yeah it can get quite loud but if you get seated in one of the side rooms it's actually pretty well split off from the main area and you can actually have a very nice conversation okay so it's kind of like if you go to the wicket they have the games room in the back yeah and then split it off. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. when we were, I was at Irish Times last time, I was right at the bar. So 
oh yeah that gets deafeningly loud yeah it's a really pretty pub too eh? it really is like and even going to the pubs when i was in the uk same it had that same sort of feel minus the accent yeah it kind of it actually reminds me of one of the pubs that we'd sometimes go to in barrow uh called uh i think it was the washington funnily enough but yeah it was like it had the irish times did a very good job of emulating that old wood finish that a lot of those buildings had yeah, and God, I mean, Irish Times isn't such a that and the Wicked, Sticky Wicked, and Irish Times. They're in such ideal locations. They're right downtown, I think. And then there's the Scottish pub right across the street. Barts, the Barts. That's also very good. Yeah, like my dad when he used to drink back in the day because he worked at the Empress. He was like, yeah, he would just go across the street to Barts and have a beer with people after work. I think though, and I know people who are from Vancouver Island may argue this. Honestly, I think for people who are right downtown, I'm going to go on a whim and say I think the Sticky Wicket's in the best location. It's right on Douglas. It it does have a really good location. I just don't really like going back to the Sticky Wicket at night because it brings back too many vibes from what I used to be a security guard at the government building across the alley from Sticky. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah. You only get threatened, your life threatened a few times before you're like, yeah, I'm not going there on my off day. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Well, it's funny. Not only that, but because they had the nightclub just up the street, right? Whatever. 919 is like inside the Sticky Wicky complex, right? Yeah. Or whatever the hell it's called now. Like that one. It used to be 919. I think it's. That's the one that always changes its name, right? I think it's. No, that's sugar I'm thinking of. I think sugar's it's either sugar or 919 is closed now. It closed down. Because I think touch is also dead. Um No, there is like yeah, all the Victoria clubs just have terrible names too. It's true. Um, it's like do you do you really want to be selling on the vibe that it's it's just skeezy motherfuckers looking to score a quick lay? Victoria clubs, right fucking on it. Yeah. Fun yeah. name, I sleep. Skeezy name, real shit. Oh my god. It's kind of like uh, the Roxy in Vancouver. It has those vibes. Remember when there used to be Monty's right downtown? In Victoria or Vancouver? In Victoria. No. The, I... Yeah, there used to be a strip club just like right on Broad Street. No, I remember uh, Fox. Oh, no, well, the Fox, Fox is further. Yeah, Fox, was Fox. yeah, Fox was more up towards uh, Uptown. But wait, were we supposed to be talking about hockey here, Tim? Like we just kind of go off of talking about pubs and strip clubs and whatever. But yeah, you know, actually, <laughs> see, this is what the people come to listen to, Tim. It's just you and I banter every single week about bullshit that has nothing to do with hockey. But talking about but my now, weekend, they know we... Victoria exactly. Well, and I'm, again, I mean, the Friday God. I was in Victoria. Democratic shopping, went to see my dad afterwards, hung out with him. And Saturday, was that Saturday? Yo, do we end up doing a Victoria Pubs power ranking as a bonus episode? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, when you do your bachelor party, I mean, in April, we're going to have to find out. Fuck. You know I what? Mean, that thread kills of which, me. Which That's thread? The uh, the wedding thread where your buddy's just like, hey, we should go play volleyball on the roof of the Sticky Wicked. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God. I mean, I do like volleyball. 
but I'm going to be sober. I know you are going to be the only sober person there. Wait, how fun is a bachelor party if the bachelor is the one wrangling in the drunks? Well, that depends. I mean, that depends how rowdy the drunks get, though. Right. Yeah. But no, it was good. I spent. That was a good weekend. Good weekend overall. Saw some family. Did my Christmas shopping. I was trying to remember what the hell I was doing Saturday. Now I'm. God, this is the volleyball and the sticky weekend. <laughs> oh, believe me, I wish. <laughs> no, no, Saturday was good. No, Saturday was all right. I don't even. I can't even remember what the fuck I was doing Saturday. <laughs> no, sorry. I actually correction. I do remember Saturday because Saturday night my. My old work bestie, Krista, who's moving to Alberta, we had a going away party for her. Now, you want to talk about a pub that is fucking greasy. Oh, no. Do you remember the Duncan pub or the a dive bar called The Quartz? Oh, my. That was it, like attached to those crappy uh, tennis club thing. Mm hmm. It got worse. Mm hmm. How? I don't know. I don't know. I got- it's one of those things where like and we were out there and I hate I don't like going to there because it's such a greasy place. It's like the kind you, of- when you touch it, you stick to it. Yeah, it's the kind of place where you see like just just how bad Duncan really is. You see some characters in there. You're like, I can't believe that you exist in this world. Well, give me give me an, an anonymized example. OK, so. You'll always have somebody in there who looks like they either got into a bar fight or they have no dental plan because they have more fingers than teeth. Right. You'll have those kind of people. You'll have the people who just who look like they were skids in high school and they never outgrew that. They have so that. like some of our graduating class. Yes. <laughs> Again. Every time I go to the courts, this time included, I always run into somebody I went to high school with. <laughs> and this time was interesting because I ran, there was a guy, he came up to me and he doesn't say hello. He goes, Hey, you were in my Gorak class, right? And I kind of looked at him. I was like, which year were you? He's like 2010. I was like, nah, sorry, man. I was 2011. Oh, all right. No, no worries. He walked away. Do you remember Randy Crawford? How mean do I go with this state? You know how you said there was people who looked like they were skids in high school and never grew out of it? Yep. Randy Crawford was a skid in high school. Maybe we should just cut this whole section, but let's continue. He's <laughs> not going to listen to this part. Nah, who cares? He's a nice guy. No, he was. He was a nice guy. But yeah, him and his buddies were always like the ones doing like the, the videos and stuff for YouTube. Yeah, they were skater kids. Yeah, they were all right. I didn't really, didn't really bother me. It found out it was actually him because again, I hadn't seen him in years and now he's got like a full, he doesn't have like the full beard that goes down. It's like a full face beard. Oh, he's got the chin strap. It's like, yeah, chin strap and handle and the mustache. But that sounds about right for uh, that group of guys. Yeah. And again, and it's funny. So I'm with Katrina and I'm talking to her and she, and he's just like, Taylor, Taylor Gibson, I knew that was you. And I was like, oh. And then I realized it was him. I was like, oh, shit. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's like, I don't think I've, 
really had that experience, but that's also because I just don't go to bars in Duncan. Yeah, I don't either. Like, again, I don't like the bar. We have, like, three. Well, that's not true. Four, technically. We have we have CVI, Quartz, Oaken Carriage, uh, Brew Pub. Yeah, and out of all of those, I think I've only ever actually been to the Brew Pub. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just gonna get up for a second because my dog's at the door. She's climbed, and I really don't like this. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, honestly, it's one of those things where even the Dunkin' bars, like, yeah, I'll go to the brew pub because I'll have a beer, and that's about it. But honestly, yeah, I don't really go to the bars. But even when I was like old enough, like when I first started going out, which was very rare because I never really went out, I didn't like going to clubs. I never saw the appeal. Probably because I felt so out of place there. It was just like, ah, I don't really. Clubs were never my thing. A pub, no problem. But clubs, not that. Not that thing for me. Honestly, yeah, I was, I like dancing. I just never really liked, like the club vibe. But I guess it's good. Maybe Victoria's clubs were just really greasy. So I just didn't like the vibe. But I remember, uh, yeah, my buddy, uh, and I'm going to tell you who this person was off air, and you're going to laugh. So we all worked in residence, and it was uh, one of my buddy, different buddies, 19th birthday. So he goes like, oh, yeah, let's go clubbing. So uh, I helped him go buy some club outfits, but I had to work that. I had a date, and then I had to work that night. Date went terribly, by the way. And uh, whoa, 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 back it up, back it up. Different girl. I, I know it's not Chelsea. Date went but... awful. Just like, okay. Have you ever invited a girl over for dinner, ask her if she has any dietary restrictions? She says no. And then when she gets to your place and you have dinner ready, she then informs you of, oh, I can only eat like five things. And you made fucking shepherd's pie. No. Can't that was it. the tier we were on. Really? She didn't even tell you. Yeah. Oof. So then she just like drinks on an empty stomach. I'm like, oh, great. Oh. Now I look like a skeeb. That's fair. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, so uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to go to this guy, go with this guy, go to one of the Victoria clubs. And uh, so we're working and, okay, I was inebriated while working because I was like, okay, she's drinking, then I can't not drink. Great. So uh, we're like texting this guy, trying to figure out like how his night's going because like incredibly straight-laced sort of person. He gets to the club, we're like, okay, he's in. He's like, ah, oh, I'm going to go find the pool table or something. Everything's gross. Ah, oh, there's like white stains on the pool table. I'm done. Do you want to know how long between the I'm in and the I'm done text was? How long? Take a guess. Okay, are we talking single or double digit minutes? Uh, du- single, single. Seven minutes. Eight. Ooh, close. Okay. When you got on single digits versus double, I'm like, okay, he knows where this is going. Yeah. So then he got back and like we were just hanging out, like doing rounds and like playing some chill. And we asked him how long he was actually there. He's like, yeah, eight minutes. And then we asked him how much cover was. And cover was $10. See, this is another reason why I never like going out is because <laughs> you always had to pay a cover charge to get in. It's like, really? I mean, if they can get away with it, 
Yeah, that's why I always preferred like house parties and stuff like that. Well, just oh, yeah, house like, parties are way better. I never, never once went to a house party at all at high school. I went to a couple. Yeah, it wasn't until like I graduated high school and I was out of high school and I was an adult. That's when I started going to these sort of stuff. They're fun. I mean, with Greatwood experience, I'll have to tell those stories someday. But, but yeah, no, it was good. Do we do the great white experience story stories of just dumb shit that happened? Oh, buddy, believe me, my buddy Trey and I, uh, he and I have a plan that we're going to get hammered one night and we're just going to record all of the dumb shit that we did when we worked at the restaurant. Good Lord. It's nothing that'll get get us fired. So of course, but it's just like I can only imagine. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy ended up paying more than a dollar a minute per cover. Where was this? It was Touch. Oh. So, like, of course, they sent him to, like, the greasiest fucking bar, sorry, club in the city. <clears throat> Which I think was across the street from the cathedral, if I remember correctly. Was the cathedral up on Yates? Uh, <clears throat> View. View, that's okay. You, okay, close. Yeah, it's like View and Blanchard. Ah, okay. Okay. I mean, you better know that. I know. I know. <laughs> That's where you're getting married, man. I know. I got to figure that shit out. But anyway, going back to what I was saying about my week, I know on Sunday, Katrina and I went to see my aunt and uncle. And then we went up to Nanaimo to see her sister and mom and whatever because they were on the island. So, did I ever tell you the first time I ever, like, Katrina ever met my Annie Veronica? So, my Annie Veronica retired a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And in retirement, she started drinking, she got into drinking wine. Oh no. I think the fir- one of the first times we ever hung out there with Katrina, I think a couple of bottles of wine between the two of them. Oh wow. We were there at Sunday and they went through two in four hours. Huh. And I'm looking at him like, oh thank God I'm the one driving. And then But no, it was good. Now, talking about restaurants... Described are... audio for the visually impaired. Tim is, Tim is taken aback. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. It gets it gets better. It gets better because... Yeah. So, Sunday. Sunday, after we go to my aunt's, we go up to Nanaimo. And we decided, all right, let's go for dinner with Delina and Matt, Katrina's sister and brother-in-law. So, we're yep. like, okay, where do we go? They're like, I don't know. We'll be easy. They pick original Joe's. Why? I, I well, because it was okay. It's Nanaimo. You don't it was actually convenient. have that many it was choices. Just there, to be honest with you, but original so Joe's—the best way to describe it for people who don't know what it is—it's it's essentially a glorified sports bar. Well, it's a chain pub. Yeah, it's a chain. Yeah, it's not good. I've been there a couple of times. The food's not good. I would rather go to Boston Pizza. Yeah. Still, Boston pizza is not good either. Hey, that's faint praise. I know. Damnation by faint praise. I know, but still, though. Do you have a, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a passable chain. Like, I guess it's like, I will accept Boston pizza. I won't be happy with it, but I will accept it. Yeah. OJ is on the borderline of, will I accept this today? Depends on the day. Yes. Uh, what's an acceptable chain? God, I don't even know. Like, not... 
you've heard me talk about Earls and Moxies. Yes. Like, just no. Yeah. Well, remember the time we were in Calgary for the Stampede? We walked <laughs> by the Earl. Was it Earls? or Moxies. Was it, it was the Moxies. It was and probably we were just like, the ah, Moxies. There's the Moxies is where Dougie Hamilton got traded out of town. <laughs> actually, to be fair, I only know one restaurant in Nanaimo, and it's Gina's. We actually went to Gina's a couple of weeks ago. I it's like I like so Gina's. good. I really like Gina's, man. It's pretty good for small town, small town Canada Mexican food. Like, mm-hmm. sure, I put like four qualifiers on that, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There, there's actually a Mexican place, Delicados. Oh, I think it's Delicados. Okay. It's in, there's one in Nanaimo. There used to be one in Victoria. Question mark. I think pretty good. I liked it. Oh, I found the chain that is acceptable. What's that? Montana's. It's not yes. great barbecue, but for a chain, it's better than your other options. Yeah, I've been to Montana's a couple of times, and honestly, I like it for what it is. Yeah, it is. It's on my I will eat this in Fort McMurray list. It's funny because one of the guys at work were talking about Fort McMurray, and he says how expensive it is to eat there. He says, oh, yeah. yeah, I went for breakfast. I had two eggs, hash browns, two sausage. It cost me like 23 bucks. So I was like, well, where the think fuck about were you eating? It. Like, think about it. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's only one high. It, it's better than like the Northwest Territories because at least there's a, a major highway and a rail line that gets stuff there. So the freight's not too bad. But then like, if you want to get anyone up there to do service jobs, you have to pay them a bonus because the housing's expensive and because they, there's just not a lot of it. And anyone else up there is making like pretty good money as a rig pig. So yeah, shit's going to be expensive. Oh, it's ridiculous. CMHC paid for my food. Okay, so I got a question for you. Yeah. Okay, so since we're talking about Montana's, so I've been listening to this King of the Hill podcast called Bois. Bois. (laughs) Very much inspired by Hank Hill, but they're a King of the Hill rewatch podcast in Texas. Okay. Do you remember the episode of King of the Hill where Bobby was dating the vegetarian and then by the end of the episode, he eats the 72-ounce steak? Yeah. Okay, there's a place in Texas. They have a place like this. Yeah. 72-ounce steak, baked potato, salad, and I think there's something else. I think it's like 72 bucks or whatever. Okay, here's my question. Could you eat all of that in one hour? No. Yeah, I was thinking 72 that ounces is I think that's five. No, that's four pounds. Four pounds of beef. You can look this up right now. No, four pounds. Sorry, that's four and a half pounds of beef. Plus an entire baked potato. And salad. And salad. And they're probably going to make you drink a large drink on top of that. Like, we're probably talking, like, a 20-ounce drink or something Here stupid like that. The, the Big Texan. That's what... It's four and a half pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that because I was listening... Oh, here it is. The Big Texan is best known for its 72-ounce steak. Steak is free to anyone who, in one hour or less, can eat the entire meal, consisting of the steak itself, a bread roll with butter, a baked potato, a shrimp cocktail, and a salad. The meal costs $72. That cannot be a good steak. You know what? The the thing I think about that is... Tay, 
I think don't about, think I could do it. I don't no, think I have the appetite. No, think about this. They're selling you a four and a half pound steak plus extras for $72. I know. For that to be economical, think of the meat quality. Yep. That can't be good. No. Because, like, steaks, like, a pound of steak at Safeway is, like, 25 bucks. Just think about that. I don't want to. I really don't want to, Tim. You know what actually also reminds me of is uh, the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's the truck driver because he ate the the steak shaped as a boogie board. Yeah. <laughs> like, the more I think about this meal, the less the less and less I want to think about that. I know. Like, are you are you a big red meat eater? Uh, I do like red meat. I haven't had a steak in forever, to be honest. But I'm also very picky about it. Is it just a certain cut that you you like? No, like I've had too many bad steaks. I got this rule from uh, one of my bosses at the Bank of Canada. If it's not a steakhouse, don't get the steak. They're going to fuck it up. That's that's actually a pretty good rule to go with, man. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I know with you living in Calgary and, you know, Alberta, you must have a lot, quite a few steakhouses around there. Oh, or is that so more in northern Alberta? No, no, we have tons in Calgary because you have a lot of cattle in southern Alberta, especially around Lethbridge. Yeah. Well, I know Katrina was telling me about when she lived in Calgary, she used to go to this all you could eat Korean barbecue place. Oh, Moon. Over, over by Sate. Over by Sate. Okay, I'm thinking of a different one because there was a one downtown all you can eat Korean barbecue place in, down in Chinatown called Moon that was fantastic. Is it still there? It's not. It's no longer all you can eat. Aww. The food's good, though. What? But Calgary has a ton of really good Korean food. I know. Remember that Korean chicken place you took me to? Oh, Wow Chicken? Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> there's there's better places than Wow. Even just on Korean fried chicken. Wow, we are getting way off topic. But this is great. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's great. But you know what's also great, Tim? Is this segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour? Before we get into the stories, how the hell? What were we talking about that got us onto Montana's? I think we're talking about passable chain restaurants. Right, because you guys went to Original Joe's and then that yeah. story just never ended. I as is the fashion at the time. You know, yeah, as, <laughs> as it was the fashion of the Like, I had a Philly cheesesteak there, and it was just okay. It, was it wasn't okay. awful. That's an upgrade. It was just okay. I ate it. The only thing I really had an issue with was the gravy for the fries. Not only was it not hot, it tasted oddly sour. That's a problem. Yeah. Turning your attention to Top of the Air, Tim, you know, in the last six seasons we've been doing this show, you know how I feel about talking about death. Mm -hmm. Not a fan. I don't like it in real life, and I don't like talking about it on the show. But unfortunately, we got to start Top of the Air by talking about a death. Former NHLer turned color analyst Peter McNabb passed away at the age of 70 following a battle with cancer. McNabb, drafted 85th overall by the Buffalo Sabres in 1972, spent 14 seasons in the NHL with four NHL teams, the Buffalo Sabres, Boston Bruins, Vancouver Canucks, and finishing his career with the New Jersey Devils, recording 363 goals, 
450 assists for 813 points in 954 games before going into broadcasting as a color analyst for the New Jersey Devils from 1987 to 1995 and later joining the Colorado Avalanche in 1995, which he would hold until 2022. Wow. Like, that's a hell of a career. Yeah. And, you know, when talking about this, I do remember last season when we were talking about him being diagnosed with cancer. And I mentioned that I think it's really fascinating that he is a part of a record I don't think will ever be broken. Because you, know, you think of all these like Gretzky records and whatever that won't be broken. Has anybody since the 1970s had a team that had 11 20 goal scores? That's what? a record. That is a record that will not be broken. 11 20 goal scores. Well, if scoring keeps going up the way it has been over the past few years, who knows? Yeah. Now that team in general was one of the Don Cherry Boston Bruin teams of the late 1970s. Now I'm going to try and bring this up. 11, 20 goal scores. Here it is. Okay. 11, 20 goal scores from the 77, 78 Bruins. Now here are the players in order. Terry O'Reilly with 29. Stan Jonathan and Bobby Schmatz with 27. I, th- I think we're talking about Bobby Schmatz. He passed we away. Have. Rick Milton and Jean Bretel with 25. Wayne Cashman with 24. Greg Shepard, 23. Brad Park, 22. Donnie Marcotte and Bob Miller at 20. Like, I'm trying to think of a team that might have... Did I mention Peter McNabb? I'm trying to think of like a team that might have come close. Maybe I'm wrong. Hold on a second. Oh, maybe he wasn't a part of that. Okay, never mind. Still. Still, that's still a great record, though. Oh, of course. Yeah. Now, we got a couple of congratulations we're going to give to Tim. Florida Panthers forward Eric Stahl played in his 13th 100 NHL game during Florida's game versus the Dallas Stars on November 9th. Stahl, drafted second overall by the Carolina Hurricanes in 2003, have recorded two penalty minutes in six games for Florida at the time of the story. Eric Stahl is one of those guys that every time you think he's done, he somehow just like slides back in free agency, but everyone just accepts that he's always been part of that team. Again, going back to Martin Gerber, teammates with him in the 06 Hurricanes. Yeah, but like Eric Stahl stuck around a little longer than Gerby did. That is true, man. That is like, true. Eric Stahl is going to be an interesting one when he retires. Is he a Hall of Famer? I, I think he would be. If... I think he would not. I think he would be, if not a fringe candidate. Uh, well, Eric Stahl's weird because, like, he he has the heart. Like, he has his uh, Stanley Cup, and he has his gold medal, and he has a thousand points. He won a Stanley Cup in his second season with Carolina, like second season in the NHL. I can't really think of someone who I would put in the hall ahead of Eric Stahl, to be honest. Yeah, he's going to be a weird... I think in the next couple of years when some of these guys from the 03 draft retire, I think you're going to look back and be like, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? Like, Patrick Elias is going to be a guy in the next couple of... Over the last couple of seasons has just been... He's been eligible. He was on those Devils teams, but... Yeah, he's not in. Yeah, but I think... Well, the other thing about Eric Stahl is, like, the guy... He played in his second Stanley Cup final 15 years after his first. 
That's mm-hmm. very funny. It is. So it's like, I think I think there's a good story in Eric Stahl. It's, it, this is a guy who's had 100 points. He had a 100-point season, another 80-point season. Stanley Cup, 1,000 points, gold medals. I think out of the three Stahl brothers, he is the most deserving. Well, he, he's also the most likely, too. Yeah. Probably not Jordan. No. Now, speaking about Jordan Stahl, we got to give a congratulations to his former captain, Sidney Crosby, because he tied Brian Trottier for 17th on the all-time points list with 1,425. Crosby, drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2005, have recorded six goals, 10 assists for 16 points in 14 games at the time of the story. I don't know if we could really go into this again, because, I mean, what more can we say after last week, right? It was kind of like, Crosby hasn't lost a step. It's amazing how many points he still had, didn't get because of injury. Tim likes that he got him in his fantasy league because that's one thing that's going right. Same. Man, have oh, you God, seen my, the hellhole of my team? My team is doing shit right now, both in football and hockey. It's brutal. Oh, I'm decimated by injuries again. I ran out of IR spots again this year. I don't even know how I do it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I have five injuries. I let go Waranski because he's dead, but okay. Sorry, he has a catastrophic season-ending injury. He's not dead, but like, Close enough. come on, like this is what happened to me last season. It's yeah. not as catastrophic as losing Mark Stone for the whole season and my third, like my second-round pick. Yeah, that was bad. Oh god, that was bad. That was so bad, man. Oh Jesus! I was almost like, can I have my fifty bucks back? Just text my brother and be like, can I have it back? No, okay. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tim, you know it's actually been a while that we've actually got a chance to talk about Uncle Daddy on top of the hour. Uncle New Jersey Daddy, Devils have hired Martin Brodeur as their executive vice president of hockey operations. Brodeur joined the Devils front office in August of 2018. After a 22 NHL season career, 21 of those as a goaltender for the Devils. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Not not sure what else to say about it, though, you I know? Mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, what can you say after this point? I mean, you see all these guys going into management. It's like, you know, unless you're Mario Lemieux and you buy a team, everything else is like, yeah, okay, we'll let you guys run the team. Well, yeah, it's until it's like so they do something super notable. It's like, oh, okay. Not much to really say about this. Now, the next story, though. Ah. Remember how we were talking about the reverse retro? And I was kind of disappointed with the Buffalo Sabres go ahead jersey because it was in blue and gold. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabres unveiled the Goathead jersey that will be used for their game on November 23rd versus the St. Louis Blues. Said jersey is the team's black, red, and white away jersey used from the 1996-97 until the 2005-2006 NHL season. That's what your reverse retro should have been, Buffalo. They just made it an alternate. (laughs) I know. You know what? At least with the reverse retro, at least they weren't going to do something fucking stupid like bring back the Buffalo slug. Everyone's so mad about that jersey. I just remember, like back in the day when they, they were interviewing Saber players about that, and even Chris Drury's like, "I don't know why they chose this either." Yeah, like 
admittedly it's bad it's not like the islanders fisherman jersey where it's so bad that it turns out to be good yeah like i remember like i used to post on a pokemon forum back in the day and like there's like myself and a buffalo fan that used to go back and forth with each other he's like i hate this logo so much i'm like yeah but did you see what lindy ruff pulled the other day you deserve it yeah i don't know what to say man now we're gonna move away from the nhl to talk about the echl for a second tim because the echl's atlanta gladiators have announced that they will take on the persona of the city's former nhl franchise the atlanta thrashers for one night only on december 16th that's a kick in the nuts no you know what's a kick in the nuts the atlanta gladiators a tier two team keep in mind play in a 10,000 seat arena there's an nhl franchise right now that's playing in a 5,000 seat arena yeah the echl is showing the nhl up right now to be fair to be fair have you seen mullet arena I have. It actually looks pretty nice. I'll give it that. I'll Even give our bod, Mike Gold, he was down there. He said it looked good. I'm... Hmm. Is this the stupid plan for the bachelor party? Arizona? Go down to Arizona. <laughs> and then do what? <laughs> Coyotes game. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we all show up in tuxedos. Be classy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it could work, could work. Yeah. Now, we've got a couple of suspensions to talk about. Florida Panthers forward Matthew Dechuk was suspended two games for high-sticking LA Kings goalie Jonathan Quick. Dechuk is not a repeat offender, as far I, as I know. He might be. I, I do not this. know how this did not get a longer suspension. That was super dangerous, too. When you, yeah. I can't remember who it was. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. Was it Noodles? I don't know if it was noodles during one of the games. Somebody was talking about this where you get the stick in the bird cage. Yeah. But if you've never noticed the goalie mask, you have like little holes that are smaller on the bottom and near the eyes are bigger. Yeah. Okay? It makes a lot of sense. You need it to see. But when you're jamming a stick through that. Yeah. And you reason and you wonder, people wonder why nobody likes Matthew to truck. This is why Brady is the superior brother. Yeah. He doesn't do shit like that. No, he just has fun. Yo. The back pocket beers, that's a veteran move, man. I also, I didn't realize that the Buffa Slug was gone within three seasons. Yeah, so was the... God, it lasted longer than the Fisherman did. The last year, was two seasons. <laughs> yeah, because it was 06, 07 until 08, 09. And then for the 2010 on, it was... They went back to the cross sabers. Yeah, which is a very nice jersey, and that's classic Buffalo. Oh yeah, but uh, the Buffa Slug, uh, it, it did. It wasn't long for this world. No, it really wasn't. Now let's move on to talk about this next suspension. Matthew, sorry, Montreal Canadiens forward Josh Anderson was suspended two games for boarding Vegas Gold Knights defenseman Alex Petrangelo. Anderson is not a repeat offender. I really do not like this hit. Because you do you have any idea how close that came to being another Chris Draper incident? Boarding, yeah. Into that, into the into the where the where the bench is. Yeah, like the dasher. Well, it's like remember when Zidane Ochara gave Pacioretty his first concussion. 
right into the dasher. Yeah, I gave him like a grade two concussion or something. Yeah. Like, you have to be so careful. And the fact that, like, to even get a boarding penalty, it has to be so obviously premeditated in the NHL. Yeah. It, I know. It was a bad call. I didn't like it. Moving on to the Montreal Canadiens, because they also have another suspension as their forward. Yuri Slavkowski was suspended two games from boarding. Detroit Red Wings forward Matt Luff. Slavkowski is not a repeat offender. That's pretty impressive getting a, a suspension in your first season as a number one pick. And also, Matt Luff is out for like 10 to 12 weeks due to this injury. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I've ever, I can't think of another number one pick just going out and getting his ass suspended within a mo- two months of his draft year starting. That's got to be a record, man. I can't think of another time that's ever happened. We'll have to ask Noodles. He knows everything. That's right. He played with some guys. We should ask him sometime. Now, we've got a couple of fines to talk about. Minnesota Wilds forward Kirill Kaprizov was fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA for roughing LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty. Yeah, this was definitely a fine. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Now, moving on to this next fine. Now, you know how when usually talking about the maximum allowable? The sense are coming back? The sense are coming back, baby, for this one. Tampa Lightning forward Matt Maroon, Pat Maroon and Washington Capitals forward Garnet Athaway were fined $2,702 and 70 cents and $4,054 and 5 cents, respectively, both maximum allowable under the CBA for unsportsmanlike conduct. Honestly, I didn't see it, but uh, for both of them getting fined, it must have been spicy. Fuck it. I like the fact that we're adding the cents now. That's just yeah. great. I thought inflation took something very near and dear from my heart away from me, but I'm glad to see that that is not the case. I know. Well, I mean, your background, you know, in your career, everything that really makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. This is going to be a complete tangent. Go for it. Like, that's what this episode has been. Tim just goes off into the aether. But you know what's going to be sad? What? Like, we've already lost the penny. And... Probably within our lifetime, if there's another like big inflation episode, we might not like the, the, the cent might go away. Like the nickel might go away, but even like dimes and stuff might stop being relevant. And that's going to be really weird. Like. Yeah, like if we get another big enough inflation episode. Yeah, like the nickel might go. Maybe the dime. Yeah. Do you remember when James Rolfe the angry video game nerd used to do the you know what's bullshit videos. That was short lived, eh? It's still going. It's still For going. Real? It's still doing them. Yeah, it's just under a different name. But one of the rants he had was about pennies. He goes, pennies are fucking useless. You know what? Every price should end in a five and a zero. Somebody heard that and was like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, like, can to be fair, Canada has gotten rid of the penny. Yeah. It's been about. It's been 10 years. Yeah, it has. I think I actually I have just one of the last pest pressed pennies in my hand. This is a 2011 vintage that I just happen to have on my desk. Very shiny still. That's but good. like the penny, I think, is still part of the proof sets when they put them out. But then again, you get weird stuff in the proof sets. Like they still have the 50 cent pieces. 
Remember 50 cent? Remember half dollars? I don't actually. They tried putting those back into the currency mix back around 2005. Okay. Yeah, I don't really remember those. Yeah, no, they were super rare and nobody used them. It's like the $2 bill in the US where they keep trying to slip Jefferson's back into the money supply, but people in the South don't like them. Yeah. Yeah, no, leave it to the South to actually have an opinion about it. Now, we're going to close out top of the hour the way we always do, Tim, by talking about the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators will retire Chris, ne- Chris Neal's number 25 during the team's game on February 17th versus the Chicago Blackhawks. So this story here, this really has been very polarizing with the fan base. Some people think, yes, Chris Neal's a very weather-worthy person to be doing it. Oh. Then you got the people who disagree with this thinking like, well, we're just retiring anybody's number now. I don't fully agree with that. I think because Chris Neal plays his entire career here, honestly, I think the next person who, think of it, there's at least three to four players ahead of Chris Neal who could have had his jersey retired. Craig Anderson, Jason Spezza, Eric Carlson. I'm. Who else do you want to add on that list? I mean, those are the big three I can think of. Tom. I was thinking four, but. I don't know. I'm not. And maybe Chris Neal. Then, then maybe Chris Neal. Maybe I Chris bet. Neal. Yeah. But Chris yeah. Neal's more of a Ring of Honor sort of guy. Well, like we keep bringing up that Ring of Honor, but I don't think it really exists. Hey, I know it's not like we did a whole episode about that during COVID. Yeah, and then just it got completely forgotten about. I know. Now going back to actually that episode of the Ring of Honor, I don't recall off the top of my head if we included Chris Neal on that list. I think we did. I think I, we did. It, I have not heard it since we recorded it back then. So I got to say, man, those COVID episodes, we got some real bangers out of that. Yeah, no, they were good. Like the Bruce Firestone interview was great. I yeah. can't remember. Did I do the Bruce Firestone interview from like isolation? I think you were at home. Yeah, but I can't remember if I was like in quarantine. It was in June. It was like June 1st that we did it. Okay, it would have been just like just after. Yeah, June 1st. So it was like, yeah, we did that. But then we got like the top five senators of the 2010s. We had the Ring of Honor episode. We Yeah, we did some real good ones. Yeah, well, it's just hard to... Oh, the Bobby with... Ryan episode. Right. No, was no, that wasn't during COVID, was it? No, but when did when did Bobby Ryan get bought out? Late 2010? No, it's 2020. I think uh, it was just before 2020. 2021. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was during the when we were doing the uh the cup episode. Yeah, the 2020 cup episodes. Mm-hmm. So that was a 2020 episode. And that was an episode that we really were just like, ah, we might get 20 minutes out of this. And we went like a full hour. Yeah. Bobby Ryan's one of those guys that I wouldn't mind hopping into like coaching or something. Yeah, well, he's doing a podcast with Brent Wallace now. So essentially, yeah, they remarket, they rebranded the Wally Mathot show to come in hot. I think it's called now. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a great, it's not a great name, but whatever. Now, talking about Chris Neal, I mean, what do you think about his never being retired? Do you think that was a good call? Do you think he should have gone in Ring of Honor? I'm surprised. It's like Chris Neal is such a heart and soul Ottawa guy that I don't, at the end of the day, have a problem. I'm I'm a little surprised. But I guess with like so few players playing their whole career with the Senators, 
you have two, like two major players, yeah. Neil and Phillips. That I don't have too big of a problem with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. But you also have to be careful with number of retirements. Because eventually you run out of numbers. And then you turn into the New York Mets of Futurama. Where you've got like rational... Like someone was like square root of two. Yeah. Who is the team that has retired the multiple numbers? There's a team in the big four. I think it's the... Is it the Yankees? Probably the Yankees. I think it's like the Yankees. I think the Celtics, I think, might be another one. Yeah, so it's like... It's it's going to be tough. But then again, that's a future generation's problem, not ours. 100%, man. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of there for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm talking about some games. Now, we got three games to talk about. We've got the Canucks versus the Senators. Sens versus the Devils and the Flyers versus the Senators. The game we actually won. Well, how about that? But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Canucks versus the Senators. This is a 6-4 Canucks victory. Canucks goals are scored by Bull Harbaugh with two, Ilya Mikheyev, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, Elias Pedersen, and Jack Studnicka. Sens goals are scored by Drake Batherson, Travis Havnick, Claude Giroux, and Tim Stutzla. Shots were 41-28 for Ottawa. Ottawa outplayed Vancouver throughout this game. The Senators controlled the play from the start of the game and continued their dominance into the third period, where the Senators' defense completely collapsed, giving Ottawa their opportunity to score four goals in the third period alongside with the fantastic play of, excuse me, of Spencer Martin. What the serious fuck happened in the third period? How did the Senators, we we greatly outplayed them. And we lost. Spencer might or Spencer Martin killed us in this game. Yeah. Although Travis Hamannick, Nikita Zaitsev, Brandstrom, and Sanderson really didn't help. It was a fun game up until about yeah the midpoint, and then it just got really frustrating to watch, especially because anytime Ottawa beat Spencer Knight, it would just go off a post, post and out. Yep. And That's a game those... we should have easily won this easily game. Easily won it. It's one of those games where, again, the Canucks are losing. You don't play Demko. You come into this and you think, oh, come on, we're playing this young kid. Of course we're going to beat them. We greatly outplay them. And the defense lets us down the third period. Yeah. and Or you get memed on by another backup goalie that plays out of his mind. Yeah. Now, before we get into talking about any of the players and the keys that stuff who finally got put on waivers after this game, we got to talk about something. That, now, last week on top of the hour, we talked about how the Ottawa Senators went up for sale. Yep. Now, I know you don't watch Jimmy Fallon. Neither do I. Because I hate Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Same. He's not funny, nor is he dreamy. A gentleman who is both of those things is Ryan Reynolds. So Ryan Reynolds was on Jimmy Fallon. 
and he says he is very interested in becoming owner of the Ottawa Senators. The only thing he needs is your sugar mommy, your sugar daddy, which, by the way, that was so cringy when Batman said that, too. It was ugh. anyway. Yeah. So we have this game. You might have noticed. Our new future overlord, Ryan Reynolds, was at the game. And he got a standing ovation. I like to live in a world where Ryan Reynolds becomes our owner because he's the owner of that soccer team in Wales. Yep. And yeah, it's fun to have an actor be part of the ownership group. Bring him in, bring Alfredson in. You know, good times. Yeah, it's going to be good. Man, just just think of the PR you got when Ryan Reynolds said Ottawa Senators on American national television. Yep. Just massive bump. I know. I like to live in a world where the Ottawa Senators are now owned by Deadpool. Yeah, although maybe Deadpool costumes at the game might get old very quick. I mean, in fairness, we have the right colors. That's true. That's, the, that's one of the only things we really got going for us right now. If Ryan Reynolds buys the team, at least we don't have to change the colors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some of these players, Tim. Now, let's talk about Drake Batherson, good friend of the show, our favorite East, our favorite East Coaster, who's originally from... Indiana, that's where he's from. Our favorite East Coaster from Indiana, Greg Batherson. He had a goal on four shots. Really good to see him get the monkey off his back of this. But honestly, as you were mentioning with this game, the Senators beat Spencer Martin off the post and out. Drake Batherson happened the same thing. He should have had two in this game. Oh, easy. Hell, Brady Kachuk probably should have had one. Debrinkit got robbed. Oh, God, he did he ever. Yeah, like, the difference was just this. the Sens just didn't have the finishing luck. Yeah, it's it's been one of those things, eh? For the Sens, it's just been, we've been so unlucky when it comes to scoring. And Cam Talbot definitely, he didn't get a lot of support in that third period, but at 8.81, you kind of have to, you kind of yeah. have to have a few of those. Yeah, 22 saves, a point eight one five save percentage. I mean, he did, he deserves a bit of this blame. He should, he could have had some of these goals, but yeah, the defense completely looked, let him down in the third period. Tim Stutzler, though, one goal, one assist for two points on three shots. He actually looked really good in this game. It's it's one of those games where, you know, when you watch Tim Stutzler in person, you tend to forget how, or I don't want to say you tend to forget, you tend to not fully realize how talented he truly is with mm-hmm. the puck. This is one of those games where he just took the puck and he's just dancing guys left and right. Oh, yeah. Like, I just watched the Vancouver defense and be like, is that it? When... Stutz was on the ice because, yeah, he was just walking everyone. But then Ottawa's third and fourth lines just didn't really look very good either. It was just an unusual off night for Shane Pinto. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate, right? But, I mean, honestly, you can't – you can have the odd night off when you're, you know, when you're playing so good. But, again, it was, he didn't look very good. Like I said, Nikita Zaitsev finally gets put on waivers after this game because, wow, was that an absolute shit penalty he took. Oh, yeah, and then just see the puck go right in after that. 
just just magic stuff mm-hmm yeah 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 god it was the fucking worst so tim do you want to head on to the second game of the evening yeah let's go for it sends versus devils this is a four to three devils overtime victory sends goals were scored by shane pinton with two and travis hamannick devils goals were scored by Nico Hersher with two, Thomas Tata, and Miles Wood. Shots were 41-28 for New Jersey. A somewhat even game overall. New Jersey controlled the game through almost two full periods before Ottawa started getting some bounces going their way to force overtime, only to lose it in OT. Now, it's funny, because you're talking about Shane Pinto had an off night against the Canucks. Two goals on three shots. I mean, this guy was easily Ottawa's best player. I love the fact that he had a cheering section. Oh yeah. Arena. And yeah, every, every time you touch the puck, like they just kind of zoom up and be like, you'd see his college buddies just like absolutely just loving everything he did. Right. That's what Shane Pinto needs at every game. Cause honestly they were, they were so great. Oh yeah. Good times. Yeah. So uh, another guy I want to talk about here, Anton Forsberg, 37 saves, a 0.902 save percentage like the game against the Canucks, the defense really didn't help him out in this game, but I thought he looked all right. Yeah, no, like the quality of shots that New Jersey was getting, not just the volume, but the quality was very, very good. And Forsberg had to make quite a few 10 alarm bell saves just to keep the sense in this one. He really did. He He really did. I mean, this is one of those games where I'm watching it and I'm just like, how exactly did we force OT again? I don't know. You really appreciate just how good the New Jersey Devils are. Yeah. And they coming into this year, that what they were a team that I was just like, I don't know which Devils team we're gonna get. Yeah. Well, I guess the other thing is, is well, Vanacek didn't play very well. And then he got injured. And that's basically been New Jersey's Achilles heel has been their goaltending is. It is what it is. 100%. So do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the Flyers game? Not really. The top pairing of Shabbat, Bernard Docker wasn't particularly good, but then none of the Sens D really was all that great. Mm -hmm. And that's it is what it is like missing Zub sucks. Yeah, but Ottawa's defensive depth was definitely shaky before that. So, no, I. It, it also doesn't help that Hamannick was on ice on the ice for three of the four goals against, and then just very weird penalty to end the game there. I'm trying to remember: was it this game or the Canucks game where Shabbat coughed it up? And I think it was. Yeah, he uh, Shabbat coughed it up. Either Talbot or Forsberg saved it. Branstrom gets the puck, coughs it up, and they score. On the same play. I think that was the Canucks one. Yeah. God, that was infuriating. Oh, I hated that. Actually, I got one comment to make. I want to make on the Devils game before I head off to the yeah. third and finally game of the evening. So, you know me. I like wrestling. Yep. So, I purposely didn't mention that this past week was the 25th anniversary of the Montreal Screwjob. Because of this reason in particular. Uh-huh. So, I was at home with Katrina watching the game and I'm, I'm laying on the bed, you know, the bed behind me in the magic happens. I'm watching the game. And I think 
the Devils. I think the Devils were on the power play. And you know when you when the camera zooms in on the ice, you'll always see the people walking up the stairs into the concourse. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game and I see these people walking up the steps. And I notice there's this one guy walking up. He looks like all elite wrestling wrestler Orange Cassidy. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. That guy kind of looks like Orange Cassidy because he's kind of walking. He comes to a full stop. He's got the shades and the hair. And I'm sitting there. I'm looking at the going, is that Orange Cassidy? Babe, babe, holy shit. That's Orange Cassidy. It's him. <laughs> and so basically, and you know, you might notice when I record with you because we're seeing each other. Yep. I'll give you one of these. That's yep. a thumbs up, right? Uh-huh. That's Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy gives a little thumbs up like this. Mm-hmm. And so it was so funny. So I did not know this. All because I understand like all elite wrestling is doing their next pay-per-view this coming Saturday in New Jersey at full yeah. gear. They were at the arena promoting the game. Oh. Or promoting the pay-per-view. And I didn't realize this. All I just see, and Orange Cassie's from Jersey. So I think, oh, that's kind of cool. He's in Jersey watching the game. He's walking up the stairs. He kind of stares. He kind of looks over the crowd. I guess he's hearing him. He just goes. Nice. Gives a little thumbs up, like the sideways thumbs up and walks up. And I was like, holy shit, I totally popped for it. It was amazing. And then on his Instagram stories, it's just him on the Zamboni with this belt. Nice. I was like, oh, God, that's awesome. Oh, made me so happy. It was just like. Full gear is actually going to be, oh, God, that's going to be such a good, good, good pay-per-view this Saturday. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, was, I know you're not into wrestling, but I was yeah. looking at the card they got for Saturday. And I'm just like, I was saying to Katrina, who's, who I got her into wrestling. And I'm like, that's actually going to be a really good card. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be good. I'll have to talk about it next week's episode, Tim. Sounds good. So let's turn our attention to the third and final game of the evening. Flyers versus Senators. That was a four to one Senators victory. The Lone Flyers goal was scored by Kevin Hayes. Sens goal was scored by Alex Debrinkett with two. Hudson Bacho and Tim <laughs> for 38-26 Philadelphia. Philadelphia looked dominant in the first period. However, two fights for the Senators helped swing the momentum in their favor because this is a game that i can't i didn't get a chance to watch it the entire way i watched the first period i was like oh it's gonna be one of those games is it so uh-huh. i went upstairs i had to do a bottle depot run made 43 yep. bucks off them bottles that we in cancer brought back oh, or nice. i brought back but i did get a chance to listen to the game and i did notice the senators won this game I don't know why there's a moment in the movie Angels in the Outfield <laughs> where the Angels win a game and Danny Glover, who's the manager, goes, we, we, we won? And he just starts clapping. I think of that moment every time this sends going on. Every, the last couple of seasons, I automatically think of that when we immediately win a game. It's like, oh, we, we, we won? Sweet. Sweet. But yeah, so this was a game where, you're right, like Ottawa did not come out of the gate for this game. No, it was bad. Just missed passes. They'd get into the zone and then just not connect. But it felt like Ottawa started to get their legs under them as the game went, and Philadelphia really lost theirs. 
Yeah. Honestly, like I said, I mean, it just looked like, I think those fights, those two fights, Castellick and I think Watson had in the first period, yeah. that really helped swing the momentum for Ottawa because it's one of those games where it woke the Sens up. Yeah, but just like all of these matinee games, they're just all terrible. Yeah, it, it's never good. Like, I know, like, they're pros. They have to be ready to play anywhere, but they're just like, and I find this with every team that's just like, there's always something funny about them. Like the passes aren't as crisp. Everyone's just not really there. Unless the guys are just waking up then. Yeah. Because yeah, like the shot clock was like 9-17 Philadelphia in the first period, 8-13 in Philadelphia in the second period, 10-8 Ottawa in the third. So like you you definitely see just like that. The ice just kind of going back in Ottawa's favor as the game goes on. Yeah. Now, one comment that we did make right off the top, this was Claude Giroux's first game as a senator back in Philadelphia. He had two shots and two assists. Yep. Is he a guy... I gotta ask you a question here, Tim. Do you think Claude Giroux has had the most quiet season on this team? Because he's got, what, 14 points or something right now? Yeah, I think so. And he's riding a nine-game point streak? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing exactly what was asked for, asked of him. So, although Brady Kachuk is having a very good scene, sorry, yes. a very good season as well. I think he's on pace. I think somebody did the math, like a hundred and eight points or something. I think he's on over a hundred points. Yeah, which has been well, he yeah, Brady Kachuk already has twenty points, six goals, fourteen assists. Claude Giroux has eight goals and nine assists for seventeen points. Stutzla's got ten assists, five goals, fifteen. Yeah. Batherson's got 14. Debrinkit's got four goals and nine assists. So it's like it's weird. The top the top guys for the Ottawa Senators are they're doing what they need to do, but it's just been yeah, an inability to keep the puck out of the net at the right time. No, oh, definitely. Now Tim Stutzla had a goal and assist in two points in this game on two shots, hit 100 career points. Nice. And what's and, kind of funny is like Brady Kachuk is top 10 in the NHL for points right now. I know. And Brady had three assists in this game. Yeah. Three shots. Just nutso stuff that I, I didn't think was going to happen this season. But then again, Eric Carlson with 22 points. Yes. Oh, okay. Can we talk about Eric Carlson for a second, Tim? Yeah. Because, you know, when we first started the show, we used to talk about Eric Carlson quite a bit because he was an Ottawa Senator. Of course. So today, November 14th, 2022, is the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Daniel Alfredson goes into the Hall of Fame. Yep. This morning, an article dropped from The Athletic. It was called Alfie. It was written by Eric Carlson. And Eric wrote this very heartfelt letter to Alfredson about how much he meant to the city, how much he meant to himself. And you get a real sense how much Alfie meant to the Sens and the city of Ottawa, but also how much he means to Eric. I'm a 30 year old man. I was reading that on my coffee break this morning. I came one step from crying. I was like, I remember reading that thinking like, holy shit. No, Tay, don't start crying. It was such a tearjerker, man. You're just like, holy shit. Like it gets a beautiful piece. 
It really is. It really is. And you could tell because, again, Eric still lives in Ottawa when he's not in San Jose in Sweden. So it's not like... I, th- I think because he was painted in the light, like, oh, Eric doesn't want to be in Ottawa. He, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. It's not that. Eric loves Ottawa. And it's clear that the city still loves him back. And I think it's kind of like with Alfredson is that he can never fully leave the city. No. Yo, maybe we can get him. We could bring him back with like an insane amount of salary retained. I don't know. See, people were talking about that, but that's still quite a big contract to hold on to. Oh, yeah. At 11 million. And you're only allowed to make two chains of salary retention trades. Like 75% of 11 million is still like three, $4 million. Yeah. You know, the vibes would totally be there. Could the you vibes are there. We yeah. finally get to see what Carlson Shabbat was all about or Carlson Sanderson. Oh, that, that'd be insane. Speaking of Shabbat, I do not know how that hit on Shabbat was not called in the game. Well, you know what? It's kind of like the game today against the Islanders where Alex Romanoff, a guy who I fucking hated in Montreal, and I hate him at the Islanders, he hit Shane Pinto. He went headhunting. It's just... Yeah. Oh, God, I hate those fucking plays. Yeah, because Konechny goes through the numbers. Like, sure, Shabbat turned to play the puck on the power play. Konechny still had time to stop, but pushed, went straight through the numbers, pushing Shabbat into the boards, and Shabbat's concussed. Yeah, he's out for a week. That should be a penalty, at the very least. That is dangerous. Easy. And Thomas Shabbat, it's a shame because Shabbat really silenced his critics with his one goal on three shots, and he got hit from behind the third period. It was just, God, you know, you look at the players who are going down in Ottawa right now, it's just like, fuck. Like, how do we... I understand the playoffs was a total pipe dream for a lot of the fans, but still, I think with Shabbat out, Zub out, I think Dorian's being very patient. What is he being patient for? Churin? Maybe he's going for Jacob Churin. Maybe he's waiting for something else to pop up. Like, like, I'm not sure there's... You're dealing from a position of weakness. So it's like, I'm not sure if there's anything really good for you to go after right now. So I have no problem with him waiting. Yeah, and it's a good good experience to bring some of the young guys like Lassie Thompson. Didn't get a call up, but that's fine. But yeah, you got JBD. You got this Larson kid. I don't I don't know who he is. Can I do who this? He played today. Yeah, he seemed all right. Yeah, I don't even know who that kid is, but yeah, Sensor. Sends are weak on the back end. Now, who do now one guy who didn't look weak in this game was Cam Talbot. 37 saves, a point nine seven four save percentage. Looked fantastic against his oh. former team in Philadelphia. He held the sends in it. Pure and simple. Yeah. And so did Alex Debrinkit. Two goals on three shots. This is the thing about Alex Debrinkit, because he definitely has his critics on Twitter where they go, Oh, Alex Debrinkit's not scoring. They're not putting him on the power play. They're not doing this, 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 this. And you're like, Alex Debrinkit has still put up points for this team. Yep. And the thing about Alex Debrinkit, too, is it's not like it's for a lack of sh- a lack of attempt. He's mm-hmm. getting into the slot. He's getting his shots. They're going to come. 
And we got two tonight. We got two in Philadelphia. 100%, man. 100%. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you just want to head off to the close for another episode. Yeah, sounds good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We are no longer on the National Podcast Network. Just You know, it's such a force of habit for me to say that. But we are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug or Twitter handle. Tim at MNO and Honey Badger. And I am at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E, Gipster. And no... None of us are paying eight bucks to Elon Musk to have ours verified. Just put that out there too. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, so basically we just got three games to talk about next week. We got today's game versus the New York Islanders. And I said up the air, I was like, I'm confused why they would play a game at 530 in the afternoon, Ottawa time. But you made a mention, maybe it was for the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremony. Yep, yep. I don't know how common that is, though. I don't think any other team did that. Yeah. Seems weird to me anyway. Wednesday, we are at home to play the Buffalo Sabres. And Saturday, we are also at home to play the New Jersey Devils. That's a scary schedule. Yeah. That's true, man. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Seth, guys. Woo!